Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today's episode number 78. It's the third week of August 2021, and man, this this whole week, boy, there was a just a lot of action. I mean, it feels very, the whole thing, just a lot of action um, this week. Uh, some good, some bad, but, uh, you know, one of the major things happened in the world this week was uh, we, the U.S. pulled their troops out of Afghanistan. That is the good news. Uh, the bad news is we happened to leave behind accidentally 166 Blackhawk helicopters and a boatload of weapons and intel. Um, That is not good in the hands of our enemy, and I swear to you, Joe Biden would screw up a one-house paper route. He is not all there. Um, I I don't uh, like that at all, but I think in general terms, I agree. He is right to bring the troops home. I mean, I wish that would happen 19 and a half years ago, but uh, now is better than next year. So too many of us, I mean, really too many of us know someone who left home as someone that they knew and cared for. And that person came home a totally different person, either mentally and or physically because of the war. And um, I, I am all for the lack of wars um, from the United States, especially when they don't accomplish a thing after 20 years. So Hopefully, we can learn a lesson as a nation from this and stop these endless wars. But truthfully, I'm not counting on it. I am not counting on it. I I just assume that that war is going to be transferred home and it is going to be uh, that uh, that war that we are fighting in Afghanistan is just going to be turned towards the American people for whatever reason. Uh, Just like Australia did to their people. Australia is in complete lockdown my understanding is there's no racing going on over there. And we do have some listeners from Australia. 
So hang in there, brothers and sisters over there. Um, that, that's kind of the world stuff. There were some real world discussions about no prep versus prep track racing uh, this week on several different media lines. We have discussed before on this show how fragmented our sport is and why that is somewhat of the problem in pushing it forward into the everyday national conversation uh, in terms of sports center and just in general terms uh, in the sporting conversation. But that conversation has gotten interesting. And while at one point in time I wasn't overly excited about it, I think if people can get their hands around it just a little bit, that may be good. That may be a good thing. So uh, obviously not our cup of tea here on the Fast Brackets podcast, but I don't hate all of it. Um, What I did hate all of this weekend was the NASCAR disaster that happened not too far from my house, the Verizon 200, not the Brickyard 400, but the Verizon 200. And if you did not catch it, uh, the Roundy Round Pro Stock boys came to Indy this past weekend and traded paint so much that they barely got the race finished. Uh, first of all, they made a huge mistake when they discount or discontinued, I should say, uh, going, making the left-hand turns, and they turned them around, uh, and they made them go right on that famed oval and sent them going in the opposite direction through a road course. Uh, That in and of itself would have been a tragedy, but ultimately the track came part two, and it turned it into a demolition derby for the last 10 laps or so. Rubbing is racing. So in that respect, it might have been one of the greatest NASCAR races at Indy of all time, but... There were way too many safety dudes uh, involved for my liking towards the end. Um, I tell you what, uh, it, it was just a, a craziness, and I hope they get it mixed up. If they, All they got to do is ask me. All they have to do is ask me, and I will tell them exactly how they can fix it, and they will get boatloads of people back in the stands. But uh, until then, actually, Producer Chris, Producer Chris, remind me to get Adam Alexander on the show sometime, uh, pretty soon actually, if we can, to talk NASCAR. Adam and I go way back, so I would expect that we would have some great stories out of that dude. Um, That said, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, work on the old heap. Metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. Make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box, and let's talk about a little bit NHR racing at the pro level this week. And um, let's let's talk some really good stuff. Things that are good for the sport. I like it. First of all, in the pro stock category, Dallas Glenn is a lock for being the rookie of the year in the pro stock category. It, he's got it. Um, already they should just polish it up, engrave it, give it to him right now. He's got it going away. He recently is coming off his second pro stock victory of the year. He is currently sitting fourth, 256 points back from teammate Greg Anderson in the point standings. Uh, 
Folks, this does not happen. You do not walk into pro stock, arguably the toughest pro category to drive in, and win multiple Wallies in your first year. Uh, that does not happen, and he's doing it like he's been doing it for a decade plus. Give Aaron Stanfield, a former guest of this show, a bunch of credit for sitting number two right now. He is a young gun. He's truly talented um, and a high performer in this class. But he didn't do what Dallas is doing in his rookie season. And I know Dallas has been around it for a long time, but there is much different situation from being around it and being in it and he is doing it in a big way and there folks Dallas Glenn is your rookie of the year and it's not even close uh, man he what he's doing is amazing now there's a lot of season left to play out of course the points reset here at Indy so that'll be interesting from that standpoint that's another set of stress it's another mountain to climb for that dude but at this point, I'm not sure if there's anybody even close that could argue for Rookie of the Year outside of Dallas Glenn and that Rad Torque Systems car. Uh, that is uh, really pretty phenomenal stuff, actually. And the other thing that I thought was absolutely phenomenal this weekend was John and Brittany Force winning Top Fuel and Funny Car on the same day, taking the podium together, father and daughter. John took that old hot rod to the winner's circle for the 154th time. He is 72 years old, and he is in first place in Funny Car right now. AARP should be all over the place on this for him. Um, he should be on every TV in the country. Um, and he is on pace to win his 17th Funny Car World Championship he is in first place right now. Obviously, we just talked about how the points reset in Indy, but he is in first place right now and sitting pretty to win his 17th. I mean, he is he's going to eclipse Ric Flair, and uh, man, you, you cannot take anything away from that dude uh, at all. And that must have been just one of the best days of his life, and he's had a few um, he's had a few. I mean, he's won 16 world championships, uh, but that must have been one of the best days of his life to share the winner's circle with his youngest daughter, Brittany, who won top fuel on the same day. So congrats to Dallas Glenn for getting his second victory of the year and locking up rookie of the year. And congrats to the forces for an amazing father-daughter accomplishment. Let's put this thing in the beams and talk once again about NHRA Pro Stock. Or in more specific terms, let's not put this thing in the beams and talk about the burndown that happened last weekend uh, in Kansas between Mason McGeha and Bruno Massel. So if you are aware, those two dudes... Apparently, at some point, made it known that neither one of them was staging in first and that they would both be going in last. 
And so they lit the pre-stage beams and then sat there, which in drag racing terms is kind of exciting. At least it is to the general populace because there is a little uh, huffing and puffing that is going on. Now, to the average fan, it doesn't look like anything's happening, but what we're doing here is a battle of wills. And Mason and Bruno were having none of getting stood up by the other guy. Who was having uh, a lot of issues with all of this was Brad Hardy, the official starter. And he felt like he needed to step in. And ultimately he did. He stepped in, DQ'd them both, and did not send them back of the line, give them the stern reprimand with the instructions to go stage it up when they came to the front again which has happened in the past he said no no you guys are both done for the day dq'd them both uh, which gave their next round opponent a bye which is very unusual in a conversation with brian loans later then he said that brad this is brad hardy said that he cut them off for safety issues now, that one I don't get. Uh, he, he, per the rule book, has the ability and the authority to shut them both down, DQ them both. He can do that in the rule book. It's a little bizarre in my mind because the, the ability from the starter standpoint is so wide-ranging. There's, there's not a clear-cut rule. It is just up to the starter. So, technically... He did what he felt was best. Um, they, the NHRA says, hey, we, we live with what the starter says. Brad Hardy, very well respected. I, I don't think he thought that there was any major, uh, he was not trying to contribute um, to any type of chaos. He did what he thought was right, and he explained it. He, he didn't run from it, so good for him. That said, these pro stock cars are really the closest thing to an F1 car that our sport has. Um, but the starter is worried that they might run out of fuel. I, I don't get that one. I'm not sure what the safety issue with a pro stock car is. In my opinion, the PDRA handled it absolutely correctly early this season. They had a similar burn down and the starter doing the having the exact same mandate the exact same ability to do whatever he wants to both those drivers stomp and scream point them in dq them both he did the perfect thing which was he found a cooler and took a seat and let those dudes sort it out for themselves um i'm not sure what the problem actually would have been um first of all what could they have possibly sat there? Another 45 seconds? I'm not sure. I'd, at some point, they are going to run out of fuel. My understanding is they have about a two-gallon fuel cell. Okay. Um, certainly, they don't want to run it lean and burn up parts. But isn't that on the driver um, himself? The crew chief is in his ears telling him when to go in. They know exactly. They Those guys know exactly how much fuel they are burning in the burnout, in the backup, staging it up they know that if they idle for a minute they know exactly how much fuel it burns i don't get that excuse or reasoning at all that it was a safety issue um, to me 
if anything, if the NHRA is really against all this, then they could just simply mandate a smaller fuel cell if the association wants to restrict that type of activity in the pro ranks. This wouldn't happen in the fuel ranks. They would burn things up sitting on the starting line. But in the pro stock ranks, that is a possibility. And in my opinion, they could easily just say your fuel cell is a gallon and a half. That would get it done. And it would cut these staging duels down to maybe a minute tops. I, I don't know what the exact number would be. That said, um, that is a portion of the sport that is exciting. And it's a portion of the sport that allows the driver to control the action. And in my opinion, anything that takes away from that uh, in the pro ranks, I should say, is, is a negative. Now, ultimately, I'm not sure what Mason was up to that way because he's currently sitting eighth in the points, and that might have hurt his chances a little bit in the point standings. Uh, Bruno isn't running a full schedule, so that didn't really hurt him. But I think if I was Mason, I would have just put it in the beams. I would stage it up and let it rip. Um, that said, all of that, I firmly believe that in the pro ranks, they should let them sit there as long as they want. That said, in the in the sportsman ranks, I don't see much of a use for it. Certainly, reaction times are very, very important. And uh, I think from a sportsman standpoint, being a good driver, it's important to be able to make good passes in both lanes. And it's important to be able to make good passes staging first and staging last. So if you're a guy or a girl that has trouble in either a particular lane or you think you need to stage first or last, then that's on you. You've got to work on that. Um, practice going in where you don't want to go in. Uh, practice being in the wrong lane, so to speak. Uh, test. Do the, you know? Do your practice during testing. Do your practice during qualifying and be better. Um, to be a great driver, you have to be able to adapt to all those situations. You're not always going to get to stage first. You're not always going to be a particular lane. You have to be able to do that from a driver standpoint. Um, you know, so from a sportsman standpoint, nobody wants to be in the water box while two guys are doing a burn down. You know, second round um, of a bracket race or or even in a in a top sportsman race. That said, in the pro ranks, I mean. Let them battle it out. Wouldn't that be amazing if somebody just ran out of fuel right on the starting line? I think that would be phenomenal and uh, would would be absolutely uh, great viewing and would be great uh, for the highlights and all that stuff. As it stands, what we got was two cars sitting there, and uh, really that's not a great visual. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. All right, let's start with the NHRA national event in Kansas. They offered up top sportsman and top dragster there, and it was a good one. First of all, top sportsman, 23 cars. Your number one qualifier, Darian Bosch. He goes 624-3 at 228 0.81 miles per hour for the top spot. Uh, Darian uh, crisscrossing the country right now from Louisiana to Indy to Kansas. 
making the trek and uh, claiming the top spot. You know, he's got the number one on his car for a reason, and he's trying to defend that title. But your winner, and this was in the making a long time ago, your winner is Dusty Meyer over Kyle Firestone in the final. Dusty with a reaction time advantage and carries that through 8,000 for a very special national event, Wally. Um, if you do not know Dusty Meyer, um, this has been a very tough year for that young man who won the U.S. Nationals last year, uh, but he lost his dad um, over the year, and he's been racing to honor him all season long. So keep in mind, um, although Heartland Motorsports Park is his home track, he had never won a round at a national event there. So to string five wins together against very tough competition and share the winner's platform with his cousin Megan Meyer, who won in her top alcohol dragster, was something incredibly special. And once again, something that the racing gods simply uh, do for us to take care of us a little bit. I know that Dusty, um, you know, like a lot of us uh, racing with his dad and to lose him and to continue on um, with all the other things that have to go on with life and to get that win, that is a big, big win for my man Dusty Meyer. So nicely done, dude. Um, on the top dragster side, it was just as nasty. There were two, 32 cars. Uh, Leslie Feist goes number one, 6'10 with a two at 192 miles an hour on the brakes. Um, but there were a bunch of cars there. There were nine cars that went under 6'10. Um, and the only car there that wasn't in the sixes was Anthony Bertozzi, who as you know, has the number one on his scoop. So there were no easy outs there. But your winner was Danny Nelson because he was doing Danny Nelson things. Uh, Danny Nelson, after going head-to-head with a B in, in round three, meets up with Prescott Dean in the final. My man Danny Nelson goes double O two two above four to reach the stripe one thou ahead of Prescott's 16 reaction time, one above one. That is Danny Nelson's fifth national event, Wally, and it's this time of year. Now that he has two good eyes, he tends to go on a run that most of us wait our whole lives for. He seems to do it just about every August, and it is amazing. Uh, you do not want to line up uh, with Danny Nelson this time of year because he has got it going again. Um, just amazing. So two great wins. Uh, Danny Nelson, top dragster, and, of course, Dusty Meyer with a huge win in top sportsman. Uh, the PDRA also got going over the weekend. They went to Maple Grove for the first time in PDRA history. Um, so that was a new track for them. Really nice stuff. They had a great turnout and hustled because the rains came late Saturday night, got their show in. On the elite top sportsman side, your number one qualifier was Buddy Perkinson. He goes 385.9 at 193 miles an hour. Your bump was Dennis uh, Gerbolt. I don't know if I said that correctly. It's it's um, amazing, you know. With a, when I have a last name like Simmermaker, I try really hard to pronounce everybody's last names correctly. I am not sure if I got your name right, Dennis. So please correct me if I got that wrong. But Dennis 
uh, goes 4.15.2 at 185 miles an hour for the bump spot in elite top sportsman. But your winner is Steve Drognowski. He's got that 55 Chevy with the 840 cubic inch nitrous motor. He wins over Tim Mulner. Tim's, uh, I mean, he runs that gorgeous 68 Camaro with 959 cubic inches in that dude. But Drognowski was a 33 light and a 397.5 on his 396 dial. And Molnar's just a little bit late and breaks out on his 388 dial trying to get there. So congrats to Steve Drognowski getting the win over Tim Molnar in the final. On the elite top dragster side, Brian McCaddy is your number one qualifier. He goes 382.6 at 191 miles an hour. And your bump spot is David Petrovsky. Uh, he's 429.3. So not the super quick field we're used to in Elite Top Dragster, but a really strong field nonetheless. But your winner in Elite Top Dragster is DJ Cox over CJ Morley. Morley goes 001 red, leaving DJ Cox to pick up the cash in the hardware in Elite Top Dragster. On the top sportsman side, the regular side, there were ultimately 52 cars that showed up. So they had a nice, nice weekend there. And your number one choir qualifier was Brian Laflamme. You heard him before. Next year, he'll have a specific machine designed not to go number one on the top sportsman regular side. That thing is going to go number one, or at least try to, on the elite top sportsman side. Uh, but this weekend, Brian goes 4.16.7 at 175 miles an hour for the top spot in the Top Sportsman uh, 32 category. Your bump is Dan Osborne. And this was a great field. I mean, this was a great free field. You're talking about Laflamme. You're talking about Melnick. You're talking about Proctor. Uh, Ron Biondo. Joe Rubicek. Doug Crumlich. Vonnie Mills. Stacy Hall. I mean, yikes. That is a murderer's row of people right there. Um, I mean, all of those are absolute killers. But like we've been saying all year long, your winner is Nick Maloney over Gino Fangilli. Now, Gino goes red trying to stop the man who seemingly cannot be beaten this season. Uh, Nick Maloney with the win light and the wallet full of cash once again. Nick has just been on an absolute tear and amazing given the quality of competition there is in Top Sportsman uh, 32 or the regular Top Sportsman in PDRA. Amazing. Uh, similarly, on the Top Dragster side, they totally they had 46 Top Dragster cars show up. And your number one qualifier was Jeff Taylor. You've heard him on the show as well. He's getting a little PDRA action in. He was 429.5 for the top spot. But your winner is Stacy Hall over Blake Denton. Stacy is 12 on the tree to Blake's 11. So identical, almost identical starting line reaction times. Stacy is dead seven. Blake is 12 above. So um, that is a four foul spread there. Stacy Hall getting it done. Simply amazing. I mean, you talk about Nick Maloney and Stacy Hall getting it done this weekend or this year. They have racked up a lot of wind lights between those two. Um, also, 
Over the weekend, the OSCA ran a top sportsman and top dragster categories at Kilgore Raceway in Ohio. They had their hot summer nights event. On the top dragster side, their number one qualifier was Craig Addis. Um, he is a pole position threat no matter what organization he runs with. PDRA, OSCA, it does not matter. Craig Addis will be a contender for that number one spot, and he gets it done. But your winner is Mike Sturgill over Ryan Burba in the final. Um, so that was a, a nice, nice class they put together. Top dragster there in Kilgore by the OSCA. And on the top sportsman side, um, they had an eight-car field. And it, your winner was Don Sadoff over Dwayne Gallagher. Um, so that that's what happened over the weekend. And it was good competition, very, very tight. But let's talk a little bit about the points chases. So we're going to try to get you up as we stand here on August 18th, 2021. We've got a lot of points chases to get caught up on so let's first start on the nhra side in top dragster the national championship your number one uh points getter at this moment is anthony bertozzi just like he was last year he is still claiming that number one he had that hot start early in this year and he has just kept this thing going uh number two danny nelson you know how Danny does it this time of year, getting hot now. So it'll be interesting how A.B. and Danny roll down the stretch. Um, obviously, both of those guys extremely accomplished. Either one, it would be, you know, you betting um, on either one of those guys right now would be, it would be you would get it. You would uh, absolutely roll with that. Uh, three not far behind is Ross Larice. J.R. Baxter's in there at four. Darian Bosch. Uh, number five, obviously last year's national champion. Uh, Ryan Carlson, six. Jeff Strickland, seven. J.B. Strasweg, uh, eight. And then Paul Nero. And all those guys are within striking distance of Anthony Bertozzi at this time. Now, from the divisional side, um, Division One, NHRA Division One, they've run two out of their seven events. So still early, but Al Kenny uh, gets a start there. He is uh, your number one points getter at this moment. Vince Misolino is close second, but there's a lot of work to do in Division One yet. Division Two is almost the opposite. It's almost all done there. They've run five out of their six events in Division Two. Anthony Bertozzi is your number one point getter right now. So there's only one chance left for Clint Riley and Jeff Strickland uh, to catch A.B. in Division Two. Uh, technically, both of those guys have a chance, but it is A.B., so we'll see how that shakes down. Um, in Division Three, we've got four out of seven events run at this point, and J.B. Strauswig, uh, been on the show a handful of times, um, he is your number one points getter right now. And then Danny Nelson and Bo Butner. So you're talking about three guys right there, J.B. Strauswig, Danny Nelson, and Bo Butner, who can get, do it in just about anything he drives. So cannot count those guys out, either any one of those guys out, and there's three events left. Division four has one left. There are five of their six events. Darian Bosch is number one. 
but J.R. Baxter, Ross Larice, Rusty Baxter, Dane Ward, and Jim Thorpe all have a shot right now to catch Darian Bosch. In Division 5, they have run four out of their six events there. Afton Swanson is in the lead. Victoria Johnson is a close second, as well as Bradley Johnson there. So it'll be fun to watch Division 5 play out from here on out. Um, Division 6, they're halfway through. They've had two of their races postponed. Does not appear like they're going to reschedule those. So they're three out of their six. Your number one spot right now is Ryan Carlson. Gerald Davenbeck is second. Jeff Havens, third. And Paul Nero is fourth and within striking distance. And then Division 7, they've only completed one out of seven events. So Phil Dion is number one right now. Steve Kastner, a close second. But there is just so much left in Division 7 at this point that um, we're going to have to table that discussion uh, before we get a little more action, before we get really in the mix with uh, Division 7 talk. Now let's go to the top sportsman side um, on the NHRA. Your national points getter, Daring Bosch, he is defending national champ. Uh, but... And he's on the top spot, so you got to go get Darian. But everyone in the top 10 is still close enough mathematically to go at him, and they are talented enough. Alan Firestone sitting number two. Dub Gerber sitting number three. Ronnie Proctor, former national champion, sitting uh, number four. Dylan Stott, Doug Bracey, Kyle Firestone, Paul Mitos, and Kurt Frederick, last year's Division Three champ. All in the top 10, all having mathematical chances still to go after Darian. So we'll see how all that plays out. A lot of racing left, but uh, it's starting to get exciting. On the divisional side, we talked about this. Division 1 is still early. There are two out of seven events. Ron Regal holds the top spot for right now. David Miller is out front as well. Um, in Division 2... They are five out of their six completed. Doug Gerber uh, is uh, has the lead there. Jackie Bennett and Ronnie Proctor have mathematical shots as well. In Division Three, um, there's four out of seven events, so there's three left. And this is this is going to be interesting going down the stretch here. But Steve Yeager is your top spot right now. Jerry Albert is number two, coming off his most recent win at Indy. Lester Johnson from the top spot always um, in third spot there. Brandon Baxter, Billy Toman, and Kurt Frederick, last year's champ, all sitting and with a mathematical chance going down the stretch. So that'll be fun in Division Three. Division Four only has one event left, and that is Vince Hoda's to lose. Darian Bosch is sitting there. David Bills is sitting there. Bob Galitti all sitting there with a mathematical possibility, but that is Vince Hoda's to lose in Division 4. In Division 5, it's uh, similar with Allen Firestone. There's four out of the six races completed, so there's two events left in Division 5 land. Allen Firestone, Kelly Land, and Greg Lair pulling gears. Greg Lair will, uh, will duke it out down the stretch. That'll be fun to watch that. In Division 6, they're halfway home. We talked about how they have two postponed, so really they're three out of six in there. And your 
Uh, leader in the clubhouse right now is Doug Bracey. Um, Yeshua Wilcox and Kevin Shear are there as well. So they're halfway home. So we'll see what how that all plays out in Division 6. And then Division 7, uh, only one of the seven races completed. Paul Mistos uh, is in the early lead, but that is a marathon that is just starting out in Division 7. And I will say this, I am really excited because I just booked a flight and I will be out at the Vegas Double Divisional in early October to see all my Division 7 friends again. And I cannot wait to check out all that action. So I'll get a firsthand look at um, how that Division 7 competition starts coming together. Uh, it's still early out there, but it's going to come together fairly quick here in the next several weeks. Um, all right, let's talk a little PDRA. They are—they have two events left um, for their series. Um, and on the elite top dragster side, right now Michael White is in the top spot. Peter Maduri is second, and then Robert Pickens is third. So all three of those guys have a chance, but Michael White is sitting pretty in elite top dragster. On elite top sportsman, it's Tim Molner's to lose. He is way out in front. Donnie Urban has a chance. Cheyenne Stanley has a chance. Erica Coleman has a chance, but they better do it soon because uh, the way Tim is driving and the way that car is moving right now, uh, it uh, it looks like he is going to hold on uh, for the elite top sportsman champion in PDRA. He just had a good season um, top to bottom. And then the, this is where this gets wild because arguably these two classes, top dragster and top sportsman, the quote-unquote regular side of top dragster and top sportsman or the top dragster 32 and the top sportsman 32, these classes arguably should be the most competitive classes in all of top dragster and top sportsman. In all of Fast Brackets Nation, these should be the two toughest categories. And I say that only because um, you do not have to rotate the earth to qualify, um, but you have to go fast, obviously, but you do not have to rotate the earth. You have to be consistent. And most of the guys that are and girls that are there have been doing it and can do it. So you would think there would be lots of parity. There is not. There is not a lot of parity. Uh, TJ Pascal, we've had him on the show earlier. Um, he is way out in front in top dragster. Nick Maloney is second, so he technically has a shot, but he would have to get hot, and TJ would have to have some problems. Ricky Molnar and Dickie Smith, both on top dragster side, could uh, technically win if TG you know, doesn't show up. But he did win Galat earlier this year, and that's the next one on the schedule so i would expect him to get to that and if he does that i think that is done in top dragster on the pdra side tg pascal um, is looking pretty there and then on the top sportsman side nick maloney is so far out in front of everybody else it is really amazing uh stacy hall has had a great year has over 2,000 points but that isn't going to get it done when Nick Maloney has well over 3,000 points already with two races to go. Um, yeah, TG and 
Pascal and Nick Maloney and top dragster and top sportsman have been phenomenal. And like I said, Nick has an opportunity, if things go really well for him, to win both championships in top dragster and top sportsman. And wouldn't that be special? I mean, uh, you've heard both those guys on here earlier this year. Um, and man, they have just absolutely got it done this year. Um, hard to argue. I mean, that anybody else would be anywhere close to deserving. Now, uh, on to the Midwest Drag Racing Series. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the points race uh, later because their year is really just starting to heat up. They're kind of like Division 7 in this regard. Uh, they have just way too much racing left to get to this year to get too excited about it today. So we're going to postpone that conversation. Uh, but I will say... In the Midwest Top Sportsman Series, uh, they're halfway home there. They've got four more events this season, but leading the point series there in the Midwest Top Sportsman Group is Eric Grace, and Eddie Banderwitz Jr. is second. So it'll be interesting to see how all of those point chases play out as we go um, throughout the rest of the year. Um, all right. Next week, what we'll do is we will talk the NHRA Brainerd, Minnesota National Event. We will talk the NHRA Brainerd, Minnesota Division 5 event. And we will talk the Midwest Drag Racing Series event held in Kansas this weekend. Uh, so we will do all of that next week now that we've gotten you caught up on all the past events this weekend and the point series whoa let's get out of the groove for just one minute uh well this is way out of the groove actually but uh last week i think it was thursday major league baseball held their game field of dreams game uh, we're all familiar with the old Kevin Costner movie, Feel the Dreams, Build It, and they will come. Put a base, Dude put a baseball field in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and got the, um, what is it, 1909 Black Sox, I think, to come um, and play there. And so what it was was the White Sox played the New York Yankees in this field out in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. They put stands up. They put made it uh, Major League Baseball approved, got 8,000 people. It was kind of cool. I turned it on, and a buddy of mine was uh, there sitting in the third row. So I texted him and uh, said, enjoy it for me. I, I wasn't able to get there, but uh, good stuff that way. It was this game played in front of 8,000 people in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, was the number one baseball game watched in the last 16 years for Major League Baseball. So think about that. They're, in the last 16 years, the most highly rated show or game of all time for Major League Baseball was this one-off game that, in theory, means very, very little um, between the White Sox and the Yankees. Um, pretty amazing. It was a very cool setup uh, just because it was a one-off thing. And hockey does a similar thing where they play one game every year outside. So I think that's kind of a unique thing. And it got me thinking, what is the 
drag racing version of this. Um, I think if I'm trying to put my head to um, to this a little bit is that it's things like Norwalk's Night of Fire is kind of the throwback version, something that is one-off that gets everybody kind of nostalgic a little bit. Um, you know, for instance, uh, Bill Bader when he does his Night of Fire, I mean, he there is of course a competition. But the competition is not the ultimate goal of the evening. Entertainment for the fans is the ultimate goal. There are burnout contests. There are fireworks. There are jet cars. Is that the days of old? Is that the build it and they will come for the NHRA? And if so, does the NHRA do something similar? Is there a way for them to do a throwback do something along the lines of the field of dreams, of something along the lines of what hockey does, where they do an outdoor game every year, something that is nostalgia. It clearly resonates with the fans. I mean, that is something that obviously is getting a lot of attention. The fans enjoy it. Um, Major League Baseball has had some good games in the last 16 years. They've had some great teams play. And this game on a Thursday night was the highest rated viewership of any game they've had in the last 16 years. So clearly that works. Um, the NHRA, or sorry, the NHL has no problem selling out their outdoor stadium game every year. And I don't know why you'd want to go sit in the cold and watch that, but they do. And so that is clearly a thing for the fans. So I'm just curious what you think is the equivalent in drag racing terms to the field of dreams for drag racing because it will work. NHRA, if you're listening, it will work. Build it and they will come. I mean, my man Kevin Costner uh, heard that and he got it done. So clearly that will work for us as well. All right, as we hit the mile per hour cone here, let's go back. We need to wrap up our conversation on the Bonneville Speed Week that we had last week and the guys and girls who would run off the face of the earth if it really was flat. Um, there are dudes and girls out there setting land speed records and building cars that could potentially go 500 miles an hour, and it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, in a good way. It's ridiculous speed or ludicrous speed, as producer Chris uh, noted. And while that isn't my thing, I think we can all appreciate what they do. Um, and I give them credit for helping us do what we do somewhat, um, as in we all steal from other forms of motorsports the ingenuity that they come up with, and we will use it for our own good. I mean, that's how we make improvements. Um, it's all a microsecond here and a sixteenth of an inch there until, bam, a new world record in land speed in 60 foot or a new ET record for that particular car or driver. Um, and while it's not my thing, I have heard that it is absolutely a bucket list item. 
And so I'm going to see if I can make that happen at some point. Um, I also realized over the weekend, and I had no idea this was out there, but I learned over the weekend that there are people who go to airports and drag race instead of going to a drag strip. Um, this thing called the airstrip attack, it is kind of a national series where people go to airports and I think they run half mile actually, not quarter mile. Maybe that's reasoning for that, but um, to me, I don't understand why you would go to an airstrip given that there are literally 400 plus drag strips across this country specifically built for the event that they're trying to host. Um, and I would guess that it's mostly because those dudes do not want to take their 300 Gur Ferraris and get donkey stomped all up and down the track by some dude in a 76 Nova. They do not want that to happen. They want to feel good about themselves and the cash that they have dropped on their supercars. And my guess is they want no part of actual drag racers. Um, but, you know, let them do their thing. Um, it sounds like uh, they have a good time doing that. But someone should let them know that there are actual drag strips out there, like almost 400 of them across the country that they could do at any point in time. So that said, um, you know, this, this thing where we take non- drag strips and make drag strips out of them this is where i can really get on board um, i can really get on board when it's small towns like pikeville kentucky that clear out main street once a month and create a drag strip through the middle of town um, by the looks of it pikeville kentucky and i've been there before has their own christmas tree and timing system which is my book is fantastic. Uh, that is that is awesome. I mean, imagine staging it up, making a pass through downtown, you know, uh, little town USA, picking up a gallon of milk before you hit the shack to pick up your time slip. I mean, that would be unbelievable and a absolute bunch of fun. And I think that's kind of what is going to happen this weekend at the Woodward Cruise up in Detroit. I've heard that is an absolute phenomenal event, and that's coming up this weekend. Um, I've just heard that it's pretty special, and it's worth checking out. So a couple things to put on my bucket list. Uh, the uh, Woodward Cruise, and then also Bonneville Speed Week. So um, all of that stuff is going. But I like it. I like it for small towns. Um, you know, Litchfield, Illinois, if you are listening, make that happen. Um, let them rip. There's a bunch of racer, racers in Litchfield, Illinois. There's a downtown that we could uh, make absolute happen. You know what? Who am I kidding? I know the mayor. I'll just call him and I'll let you know what he says. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 78. There it is. There's the wind light. And, of course, Gloria. Man, so good. 
Lord Brannigan lost before her time. Boy, um, anyway, uh, we had a great week again this week. Uh, first of all, we dealt with some, you know, just talked about some craziness of the world. Um, I gave you the latest race results um, in terms of both race results and point standings. We talked about staging duels. Amazing. We talked about, um, you know, Rookie of the Year possibly. We talked about father-daughter success, family success, doing it for your father. Um, We talked about Field of Dreams. We talked about, you know, uh, airstrip racing. I mean, we we did it all this week is what we did. Um, And you know what? We'll have more interviews for you next week. Um, We just had a lot to get in this week, so I had to run it on my own, kind of solo. And we've all been there. We've all had to go racing by ourselves one time just to get through it, and that's what we did this week. But if you have comments, questions, or curse words, you know there are three ways to get at me. First of all, you can use the Facebook page using Messenger. Um, Secondly, you can... uh, Find me at uh, Walgreens. I'll be buying up all the zinc, the vitamin C, the vitamin D they have. Um, You know that's where I'll be with that. And then you can also use the email. You can use fastbrackets at outlook.com to get a hold of me at any time. I look forward to hearing what you think is potentially could be the drag racing version of Field of Dreams. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. This week's episode had me thinking about the Field of Dreams. I certainly watched that and was and did enjoy it. So count me in as one of those guys. But I was thinking that it's it's got to be something nostalgic. It's the opposite of electric cars. It's not novelty. Right. It's got to be something nostalgic. Right. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I mean, it's it's Daisy Dukes. It's backup girls. It's funny cars. It is loud it's testosterone it is going at it i think maybe maybe the best version we have of that is that funny car chaos series um and i have not seen a lot of that in person so maybe that is exactly what that version of it is but to your point you were on board with uh the major league baseball version of it and we would all be on board with the drag racing version of it This episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal. Deliver high-quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer manufacture and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks 
complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products.